This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Okay, great to have you with us. It's Pickle if you're a visitor. Really good to have you with us. Hope you feel friendly and welcome. Hope you've had a cookie. It's our way of saying uh, great to have you with us. Please do stay around afterwards uh, and, and chat. My name's Howard. I lead the church here and I'm going to talk to you. And my talk, if you come to God first normally, my talk is going to be considerably shorter in uh, recognition that we've got a number of people who probably uh, don't normally come. So we're doing a series called Reckless giving ourselves away. And the word reckless tends to, if you look in the dictionary, suggest uh, careless or foolish behaviour that's not thought out. But actually we're using the word reckless as a sense of uh, giving ourselves away, in other words, thinking not about ourselves but thinking about others in a way that's uh, without, without worry, without thinking, oh, what are the consequences? So that's the, that's the series we're doing. And... Um, my title sounds awfully stupid. It's, it's recklessly giving yourself away in parenting, which actually if you said I went to a church and they said, talked about reckless parenting, you'd think, yeah, that's typical. That's what I expect from churches. But please understand what I'm trying to talk about. I'm trying to say giving yourself away as a parent uh, without concern uh, for the consequences because we're obviously so concerned about our own consequences, our own lives, that we don't do that. So that's what we're talking about today. I'm just going to read a little bit of the Bible, and then um, I'm going to talk about that. Okay, so it's, um, you don't need to turn to it, it should appear up here. It's from the Old Testament, a book called Two Kings, and uh, it's about a a guy called Elisha, who's a, a prophet of God, in other words, he hears the voice of God and speaks it to the people, and he encounters a woman in really terrible circumstances, and we're going to, and my little pot it's part of the illustration, so you think, wow, he's got an illustration. This is an amazing morning this morning. Uh, so that's where we're going to go. So let me just read that. Uh, so it says, uh, 2 Kings 4, it says, A widow cried out to Elisha, that's the prophet of God, uh, My husband who feared the Lord is dead. So massive family tragedy. My husband who feared the Lord is dead, but now his creditors are coming to enslave my two sons. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except for a little jar of olive oil. Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbours for all their empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars until each one is filled and then put it aside. So she left Elijah and shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought every jar to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another. But he replied, there's not one jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. We live in a a never enough kind of world. Uh, We live in a a world where um, actually if you said to yourself and you think about yourself, you always think, well, there's something that I could put between the words never and enough. Uh, And uh, you could think, um, for me, uh, it's never slim enough. 
Uh, never full enough. I always love my food. You know, or you can think, oh, I'm never clever enough. Or I'm never bright enough. Or whatever. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and think the first thing. Now, don't, pl- don't cheat. The first thing that comes into your mind between the words never and enough. Just turn to your neighbor. I'm not going to ask you what you say. Just turn to your neighbor and say, never enough. So here's, some, here's a few that I came up with. And if you're a mom... Vicky, this is about you this morning, but if you're a mom or your parent, or just if you live in life, this is always true for you. So never time enough. When I first had my, when I first had, uh, we had our first kids, I suddenly thought, what a selfish person I am. All this time I've had to myself, and suddenly now uh, I've got to actually give it away to my kids. Uh, never time enough, never earn enough, never good enough, never thin enough, never clever enough, never safe enough. We're more and more worried about society, more and more worried. We're thinking, oh, should we go on a holiday there? Oh, what about that? What about that? Never safe enough, never valued enough. And the one you probably don't say, but the one you probably feel, never loved enough. Never loved enough. And a a U.S. author, Maddie, are you with us? Yes. U.S. author, uh, Lynn Twist, in her book called The Soul of Enough, she writes this. It's uh, the quote's there. For many of us, this could be our mom, couldn't it? This could be Vic and and Andy, but it's for for all of us. For many of us, our waking thought in the day is, I didn't get enough sleep. The first question you ask when people have babies is, are they sleeping through the night? And you think, and people just look drawn, and you think, oh my word, yes. I, I was talking to somebody, and they said, you learn to survive with no sleep. Anyway, many of us, our waking thought of the day is, I didn't get enough sleep. The next thought, I haven't got enough time. The thought of not enough occurs to us automatically, even before even to think or question and examine. We spend most of our hours or days hearing, explaining, complaining and worry about what we don't have. By the time we go to bed, our minds are racing with a growing list of what we didn't get or what we didn't get done. We try to sleep burdened by these empty thoughts and wake up with these thoughts still reverberating. The internal condition of scarcity, this mindset of emptiness, lives at the very heart of our angst with life. This kind of sense of there's something, uh, there's an emptiness, there's there's something missing, there's a a gap of I wish that would fill it. And and I don't know if you're human if you don't have that. Uh, And we all chase that. And in our story, the the lady who's a, a widow, who's lost her husband... She faces the enslavement of her sons uh, because of debts that have been accrued by her deceased husband. And she asks God's servant Elijah for help. She's like, like I've got enough money. My kids are going to be enslaved. Obviously, Midi- Middle Eastern culture. But the sense of her husband's run up debts. He, he says he's a man that feared the Lord, but yet he's run up debts. I don't know how that works. But yet he's run up debts and they're going to enslave her kids. And she's obviously... in. Panic because she's lost her husband, she's lost her security, she's feeling vulnerable and not safe enough as a woman, and yet uh, her kids are about to be enslaved. And she asks Elijah's uh, Elisha for help. And and the, it's interesting her answer is is typical. She basically Elisha says, "What have you got in your house? What have you got in your house?" And she says, "I have nothing at all." I've got nothing at all. And I think that when, if you look at your life and you think how you're going to do as a parent, you always think, man, have I got enough? Have I got what it takes? Have I really got enough to be a parent? Have I really got enough in my life? And we can all say, if only I had that. 
If only I had that. And in our desperation, we look around for resources in ourselves or we look around for resources and think, well, I've got nothing in my house. I've got nothing at all. I've got nothing at all. Uh, interesting, this uh, a book called Daring Greatly, which is kind of the same idea of being reckless about being bold and living bold. In a book called Daring Greatly, uh, this lady, Brenny Brown, in a quote that I've used here before, she said this in a TED Talk, uh, and then wrote about it in a book called Daring Greatly. It says, we'd love a colour-coded parenting handbook that answers all our unanswered questions and comes with guarantees and minimises our fears. We want to know if we follow certain rules and adhere to certain methods espoused by this or that parenting expert, then our children will sleep through the night, be happy, make friends, achieve professional success, and stay safe. We think, where is the answer? Give me the latest parenting book. There must be, you know, there's parenting books everywhere. I don't know if Vic and Andy have read parenting books. I don't know if you've read parenting books. I must confess, I've never read a parenting book. And when you look at my kids, you can see that I've never read a parenting book. Because, as Brenny Brown will rightly say, the answer's not found in parenting books. The answers are not found in parenting books. We, 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 we're thinking, what is the answer? There must be something. What have you got in your house? I've got nothing. Let's grab a parenting book. Let's, let's find the answers. How am I going to have enough to be a good parent? How am I going to have enough to live a bold, daring life? And then she, she goes on in the quote. She says, who we are... And how we engage with the world. This is brilliant. Are much stronger predictors of how our children will do than what we know about parenting. Teaching our children, she says, to dare greatly, to live bold lives of integrity, love and faith, isn't so much are you parenting in the right way, get this, but are you the adult your child wants to grow up to be? You think and you look at yourself, I'm not the adult. I'm empty, I've not got enough. What have you got in your house? What have you got in your life? I haven't got enough. But the fact is, the way your kids are going to grow up is not going to be what you provide for them in some kind of external resources. It's going to be who you are. And that even just increases the pressure, perhaps. So, because daring greatly, living boldly, living, your, living a life that's, that's given to your kids, that's given away to other people, is really the hardest thing to do. And that's why in our society people think, oh, you don't want to have kids, do you? Let's delay having kids, let's wait later and later, because it's ever so costly, and we haven't got enough. We feel we haven't got enough, we feel we, we don't know what to do, and we feel that we want to give ourselves away to our kids, but have we got enough? Have we got enough inside of us? Pouring ourselves out is impossible when we feel empty. In the story, the woman says, I've just, I haven't got any oil in here because we're not allowed to bring food in. Um, but the, the woman says, I've just got a little oil. She remembers, I've got a little something. I've got a little something. It's not my house, it's completely empty. And I believe that, that uh, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, I believe that actually we all got a little oil. We've all got a little something. The Bible says that we're all made in God's image. We're all made like God. There's something about us that's inherently good. There's something about us that that can be poured out. Whatever you believe, there's something in us that's good, that God made it that way because we're made in his image. And he's the God who's got this incredible capacity to pour out in love. He's got this incredible capacity. But yet we feel we've got so little love. I've just got a little love. And the obvious response, let me just put a bit of liquid in here. Just 
the obvious response is, I've just got a little love, so I'm going to guard it really carefully. You know, I'm, I'm just going to be really careful what I do with it. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to pour it out in a measured, careful way. So, you know, this is, this is my, what I'm going to give to Naomi, my wife. Oh, steady now, because we haven't got much. Oh, 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 that's far too much. No, you know, and you think, that's it, and then you think, what am I? Sorry, CLC. <laughs> that's why I didn't do it with oil. You know, you think, oh, well, I've got a little, oh, man, it's running out. I've not got much. What I'm going to give to Zach and Jonathan and Damaris? Oh, not very much. And you, say, and you think that, that you think because I've not got enough, then we've got to guard it. We've got such this little supply of oil. And as you look at, think about being kids, you think, well, I haven't got much. I'm just going to be able to live. Maybe I'm going to love my husband enough. Or might be able to just love my kids, maybe. But I haven't got much. I've only got a little oil. And so Elijah's, respon- Elijah's response is crazy because he says... Now, you haven't got very much, you've only got a little oil. Now, what I want you to do is to go around and ask all your neighbours for all their emptiness. He says, go around and ask all your friends and neighbours for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. The challenge is, he says, what's the answer when you think, man, I haven't got very much, just enough for me and my kids. I haven't got very much... And he says, right, go and find all the emptiness around you you can find. Go find as many people with needs who need to be loved, who need to be cared for, who need, who need to be poured into. And you'd say, right, you go and pour into them. You think, man, it's crazy. It's just crazy. What a silly thing to do. Elisha, you're mad. And we've got this idea, this, this thing about child-centered parenting. Who's, who's heard of child-centered parenting? One or two of you. I just want to disavow you about child-centered parenting. Because remember, what we're saying is, who you are is what your kids are going to become. So what happens, the challenge with child-centered parenting, I, need to, I haven't got very much oil, but I poured out far too much last time, and I'm running out. But the challenge with child-centered parenting is, here's little Jonah. What sweet, lovely little Jonah. And what I'm going to do with my child-centered parenting is, I'm just going to take a little bit of oil... And pour it into Jonah. Oh, there we go. Ooh, not too much now, because we haven't got much. And, and that's what's going to happen. And that is, that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to do anything more. I've got no capacity to, you know, to pour into my husband anymore. Sorry, Andy, I've got a kid now. I hear of... Yeah, is it true? Well, we'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> I hear tragedy of, 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 of relationships that break down... Because actually, there's a child that's produced, and what happens is the mother, or often the mother, not usually the father, we've got other things to learn, but the mother just says, I'm just going to focus completely on the little kid. They stop being intimate, they stop having time together, and they just pour into this little child. And what happens is, after a while, if you're only just going to pour into this little child, you know what this little child's going to think? The world's all about them. The world is all about them. They're going to say, my job is with my little jar of Jonah emptiness. I know he doesn't look empty, he looks lovely. But with it, my little jar of Jonah emptiness, I, mummy and daddy are just going to be there to fill, fill. And when they get to teenager, I'm just looking. When they get to teenage years, <laughs> sorry tomorrow's. When they get to teenage years, they walk around with this jar and say, come on then, can you give me a ride? Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have the other? Just pour into my jar. My empty jar. 
Because that's what child-centered parenting says. Your job is just to pour into their empty jar. But our thesis this morning is that is not going to create the rounded, daring, greatly kind of people that are going to make a difference in the world. They're just going to become the next generation and say, you know, I've just got a little of oil. All I've got is more emptiness. I mean, I, I was a school teacher before I did this, and, um, and I'm still involved with schools. And one of the things that I, I was shocked at a meeting I was at the other day was that we've got a counsellor at the school I'm involved in, and the counsellor works uh, part-time, so 20 hours a week, and does counselling for the kids. Great, great initiative, costs the school a little bit of money. And I know that's true in lots of schools. But what the staggering thing was, uh, the lady who's in charge of that department said the counsellors are really amazing, but actually we could employ seven or eight counsellors and still not have enough counsellors. It's not that kind of meeting, but I wanted to put my hand up and say, you know, there's a problem around here. There's just so much emptiness. We've got to find another solution than just another counsellor who can pour into our kids. Just another counsellor, another therapist, another somebody else who's going to help fill this emptiness. There must be somebody else. And the challenge in, in, in Cheltenham, where it seems like in this part of Cheltenham, where, where in this school, you know, they've, they've got everything. They've got their Xboxes, the PlayStation 1s, they've got their TVs, they've got their iPhone 6S, they've got their, their nice holidays, they've got everything. They go to good schools, they've got everything. They've got everything that seems to say you should be full. But actually the challenge is, they're just empty. You put it across the town into other parts of where there's poverty, and the emptiness just feels bigger and larger. What are we going to do? And Andy and Vic, if you're going to be big, if you're going to live big, bold lives for Jesus that, that Jonah and Bump coming is going to look at and say, I want to be that kind of person, that there's got to be a different answer. There's got to be something more than just let's stew this little bit of oil that all of us have got. Let's play with our emptiness. There's got to be something else. And so, and, and, and Elisha says, well, find all the people around you that need loving, that need caring, that need to be poured into. Find all the empty pots and pour into them. And it seems like madness. It seems like a recipe for burnout. It seems like, really, is that the answer? Surely the answer is to close the doors, huddle together, just create a nice little family, Andy and Vic and Jonah, and we'll just kind of spare our little oil together, you know, keep the doors closed. But Elisha says, no, open the doors. Open your family. You know, pour out to people in need. Pour out to people who, who need loving. Why don't you be an overflowing family? And she goes, whoa, it's just not going to work. We're just going to focus on ourselves. And I might just have enough to be a good parent. God's got to play a part in this story and here he comes. There's got to be another source. There's got to be another source for, for Jonah. There's got to be another source for Andy and Vic. There's got to be another source for me and you. There's got to be another source and just a little bit of oil that we, or the lot of emptiness that we carry around. There's got to be another source. And I believe that that other source is God. God is the true community, the overflowing community of self-giving love. The interesting thing about the Christian God is that he's Father, Son and Spirit. Uh, one God, three persons who's always, we talked about this last time if you heard God first, always giving himself away. The Father's always pouring himself out into his Son, into Jesus. And Jesus is always pouring himself out into his Father. They're a kind of overflowing, cascading uh, God. They always Yes, there. Wow. There's this kind of inexhaustible fountain. They pour out and create the world. If they just said, 
you know, we've just got a little. Let's keep it to ourselves, Father and Son, and pour out a little bit of spirit on each other, and that's enough. No, but this, this God is an overflowing God. He's not an empty God. He's an overflowing God, and He overflows and creates this beautiful creation, and He creates, creates us to love. You think, well, that's just crazy. If you're an empty God, you've, you've, there's not enough to go around, but He's not an empty God. He's got enough to overflow. What you'll find, Vic, is when you have, and Andy, is when you have baby two, you don't say, well, John, I'm sorry, we've only got a little bit of love for you, or we've poured it all out on you, now we've got to cut it in half and give half to baby two. What happens is the love grows. If you think you're empty, the truth is you're not, because you created an image of God, and God's got, created millions of people to love, and he wants to overflow in love to them. It's like this fountain that flows out and flows out in, in, to fill our emptiness. Pouring himself into us. So the trouble, if God's like that, why are we so empty? If God's like that, if God's this God who pours himself out to his Father, Son and Spirit, but pours himself out in creation, pours himself out in love to us, why are we so empty? What's gone wrong? Something has gone radically wrong. And the trouble was the first humans, when God said, let me pour into you, they went, no thanks. No thanks. I'm fine. I'll be the source myself. You can be like God. I'll be the source myself. And what happened, instead of standing under this cascading, overflowing waterfall of oil, if we're using that picture, or or water, this love of God pouring over, we just said, thank you, don't need that. And that's what happened right at the beginning. And it says in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah says this, it says, be appalled, O heaven. Heaven is like, shocked. God's people have abandoned him. The fountain of living water. And drunk from cracked jars and dry puddles that hold no water at all. Emptiness is a human condition without God. Yet God's saying, I'm not going to leave them there empty. I'm going to come. So the God who's full comes to earth, overflows. He comes and born as a man, comes and gives himself away to the poor, to the vulnerable, to the lepers, to the sick. He gives himself away, gives himself away. Uh, And yet what happens is humanity went, no. No. And they took him and crucified him. But even... When he's dying on the cross, he's pouring himself out for us. We're laughing and saying, really God, is this the best you can do? And he's pouring himself out, his blood poured out, his love poured out. He said, Father, forgive them. He's pouring himself out for us that we might be filled with all God's fullness. I'm finishing here. Paul writes in a prayer I pray that you may grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. It's not like this. It's not narrow and short and shallow. It's wide and deep is the love of God. And that you may, that, that, that deep the love of Christ, that you may know this love that surpasses understanding, that you may be, say it with me, filled filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to fill us up. He wants to fill us up. He wants to pour himself out and fill us up. And he wants us to take away our hand. And he says, you know how you do that? 
Get all the empty pots around you and start to pour. Get all the empty pots around you and start to pour. Start to pour out. It's not like, well, just keep your family safe. I remember when we moved to Manchester. It's great to have friends from Manchester with us. But uh, uh, when we moved to Manchester, that was a crazy thing to do. What, you don't move to the, the harsh, rough inner city? And open your doors to people who've been in prison and people who've struggled with this and that and broken families. Open your doors to that. Surely that's going to mean your family's going to be left empty. And although the experience of pouring ourselves out to people who were lost and lonely and broken cost us as a family, I look at my kids now and say, I don't think they're empty because of that. I think they're filled because they poured themselves out. And that's what... That's what Elisha says, come on people, Andy, Vic, if you want Jonah to live a life that, that's bold and poured out and great, and you don't want him to be this sulky, turned in kind of child, then give yourself away. Give yourself away to others. Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbours for the empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. And they brought every jar to her, and she just kept pouring. Oh, I've run out. Just kept pouring. Obviously, I'm not a miracle maker, so I can't make it keep on pouring. But just keep pouring. And she poured and poured and poured and poured and poured into every empty pot. And when she'd run out of pots to pour in, the oil ran dry. If you say, I'm just going to pour in here, you're not going to fill many. But if you let the love of God pour into you, you can pour out and pour out and pour out and pour out your life and never run dry. The Apostle Paul, writing at the end of his life, says, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. Now I am poured out like a drink offering. Poured out. His life was spent poured out. Parents, people, that's what we want to do. If we want to pour ourselves out into an empty world, put the last slide up and I'll read it. Giving ourselves away. Poured out but never emptied. This is God's answer to our never enough culture, our never enough families, our never enough children, our never enough world. Let me pray. And if somebody could get a cloth, that would be great. Father, I thank you for Andy and Vic and Jonah and Bump. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have not just given them a little bit of oil created in your image to love, but Lord, I thank you that they've taken all of you, let you pour into them, that they might overflow. I pray for Jonah that he's going to look at mom and dad and say, this is who I want to be, poured out. Not turned in and selfish, but poured out for others. That's going to change the world. I pray for him that he'd be a world changer. Just in that simple step of pouring out to others. Lord, I pray that for us. If we put our hand across the jar and say, no God, I'm not interested in you. I pray that we'd take our hand away and that you'd pour it into us. And fill us and fill us and fill us with all the fullness of God. That we might overflow to a world that's dry and cracked and broken. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Let's worship together. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.